All right, episode two. Ridge to Ridge Outdoors. Yep, episode two, man. That's it. On a new one. What are we going to talk about? We're changing gears just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. We're not going to talk so much about hunting mm-hmm. as to camping. Yeah. Gear. Camping, camping gear, and our camping experience. That's what yeah. we're going to be talking about today. Um, of course, here at Ridge to Ridge, we're all about the outdoors, and we're big on hunting. However, being outdoors and being passionate about out about being outdoors, there's just so many different things out there, and we're gonna be talking about something that uh, it's it's kind of a tough one um, to get into if you've never done it before. I mean, of course, if you guys are listening to this, you've probably been camping before. However, before I was you know twenty something years old, I I didn't have a lot of camping experience, so I had to pretty much teach myself and figure out how to camp and how to be efficient at camping. Yeah, why don't you why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners like what your background is. Like yeah. who you are and where you came from. Yeah, so like how far am I going? I mean like Well, I don't know. I mean not necessarily where you came from, but just your heritage, like how yeah. your parents are like first generation. Yeah. So my parents are immigrants to the United States. They uh so that makes me a first generation American. Uh they came from the Philippines in the seventies and uh, they've been hard-working people ever since, and they raised me and my siblings in um, in middle class in an, in a middle class American lifestyle, pretty much. But they worked from the bottom, from the very bottom. Yeah, like they came to the United States and were living in low-income housing, you know. And they just worked their way up, and they raised me and my siblings to be, you know, dedicated to our communities, you know, and passionate about what we do. But they didn't really teach us to be outdoors because my, my parents weren't really outdoorsy people. They said, hey, focus on book work because book work is what's going to get you into, you know, going to get you a better life than what they had. So, right. so I wasn't outdoors as a kid. You know what I mean? I mean, I was outdoors, but I, I never went camping. I didn't right. travel to Yosemite and, you know, hike up Half Dome or, you know, it. I just, you know, I was an indoors kid. You right. know what I mean? Book studies. Yeah. But uh, as soon as I got out, I went to college, and then uh, I really developed myself into kind of the person that I am now, where I was really interested in being outdoors and going outdoors. I started climbing a lot. I started hiking a lot. Um, and when I graduated college, uh, I ended up working with California State Parks, and I ended up being in some of the the best uh the best nature natural areas that California has to offer and it was my job right my nine to five was being outdoors every so, day every single day dude uh, I was doing some pretty amazing things and then it just kind of cemented my my love for being outdoors but um, after after that job a little bit after that job I got a motorcycle and then my love for the outdoors and riding they just kind of meshed and all of a sudden I found myself solo camping off of a motorcycle so yeah packing packing everything on my motorcycle and just riding and camping and to me that's the craziest thing you know for me my upbringing we were outdoors Mm -hmm. but we weren't in the mountain outdoors per se like i grew up fishing like i didn't grow up hunting you know my dad was adopted and uh his adopted family lived out here his biological family is back east in michigan and they grew up outdoors in the woods every day. Like for us, all we did was fish. We'd fish the local lakes and stuff. And he'd take us up to Lake Quimaca, you know, Southern California here. And we, we'd camp there and stuff like that. But we weren't off-grid camping. We were always camping in private 
you know, campsites where there was hookups and you could get a shower if you need it. You could always get a hot meal. You know, you always had a cooler in the back of the truck, that kind of camping, you know, and, and where we developed or where I developed, like my love for the outdoors was through that, but it just wasn't like my love for the outdoors now. I didn't develop the love that I have now for the outdoors until I started hunting and actually gotcha. getting in the backcountry. Like you had it through your job after college through the park services, whereas I didn't get it until I actually started getting out there hunting, you know, because the outdoors to me was, oh, we leave Escondido, you know, we go out of town for a couple miles, you know, and, and you go to a lake and you fish. That was outdoors to me. I didn't know any different, you mm-hmm. know. So that's that's where that's where my camping beginning came from yeah dang dude you're lucky man lucky well right i mean just yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i wasn't lucky i know that some kids grow up literally backpacking half dome yeah you know and and they're 10 years old and they've already climbed it mm-hmm. you know with their parents or whatever you know and they're in like true backcountry camping experiences but like my dad he wasn't he was always outdoors, but he wasn't, he was like the way I was, you know, he taught me what he knew. So that's what I knew. And that's what I thought outdoors was like, it's all relevant. You know, Mm -hmm. if your parents are crazy outdoorsmen, men and women, and they're backcountry packers, you're going to grow up in that. And that's outdoors to you, you know, for you, you maybe thought outdoors was, you know, kicking a soccer ball down the sidewalk, you know, until you experienced it through the park services. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about it is everybody finds it their own way. And I'm glad I did it my uh, I found it my way because there are so many people who have stuff shoved down their throat and it's like, hey, you're gonna love it, you're gonna love it and then all of a sudden the kid learns to hate it. Yeah. Because that's that's all they know is somebody else telling them they should be passionate that about it. That happens more often than not. Mm-hmm. You know? You always hear about it. My chick, for example, my wife. Yeah. Love her to death. Love her to death. I couldn't pay her to camp. Like, we could get her out for one night, maybe yeah. one night. You know, she's not going without a shower. Yeah. You know, we live in a first world nation where she grew up middle class, like wasn't an outdoorsy person. So to take her from her reality and put her into my reality, like what I like to escape to, it's, you know, her idea of a good time is, is. I, I can find the joy in it, and I do, you know, because I don't live outdoors, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get outdoors as much as I can, but I can't I can't live outdoors like the way I would like to, you know. Yeah. But she can't find the joy in the outdoors. And I don't want to say that because I feel as if if she experienced it, she would. Yeah. Right? But getting her out of her comfort zone to go do it and understand that, you know, it's not the worst thing if you go three days without shower. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, but it's just an uncomfortable thing. I mean, I'll, I'll even say it, man. I, in our trip to Utah, we didn't shower for eight days. Eight days, yeah. I mean, I was getting to the point where I'm like, dude, I need a shower. Yeah. Like, this is nasty. You know, you start, <laughs> you it, get grimy. Yeah. It, it, you have to experience it to understand what I'm yeah. talking about. But for her, you can't just take her. And say, hey, you're going to go out for eight days. Yeah. No. You know, that's not going to happen. Ease into into it one night. Mm -hmm. Let her find the joy in camping out for one night. You know, experience a little cold. And that's another thing. You couldn't take her and throw her in 20 degree weather and have her be comfortable. Yeah, no. You couldn't do that with a lot of people. Yeah. I I mean, so you got to do like 
fall camping trips, you know, that it's not too hot and it's not too cold to get her into it. But yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's just, like I guess what I'm saying, you know, her, her idea of good time and outdoors is completely different than mine, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we're not, we're not knocking on anybody whether you like, no. we're like, whether you like car camping or solo camping or yeah. backpacking or glamping, you know what I mean? Because yeah, that's a big thing. A lot of people glamour camp, man, where they bring out their Airstream it. and their RV and they say, hey, we're camping. Listen, I dig it. And I, I could do that every time. I think it would be great. And I still do. Like, we have a couple local mountains that if you go outside in the middle of the night and you look at them, mm-hmm. there's lights up on them all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. People hiking around. And me, and me and Michelle, we were actually down south last night down at our friend's house and there's a mountain down there called like i think it's cow's mountain or something yeah and it was almost 10 o'clock and there was headlamps up on top like walking around and i told the guy at his house we were we were uh, eating dinner and i was like you know dude i would love to camp on that watch sunrise yeah you know i get That'd up early awesome. watch this get up there before the sun goes down you watch the sunset you eat a good meal up there out of your jet boil you yeah. know i mean you, you could literally get off the beaten path and get up there and do that and Watch the sun come up. That, that to me, you don't have to be ten miles back to be a, to be camping. No, totally anyway, not. just you know, just being outside of your house. Yeah, and a big thing for me is, like you said, is getting out of your comfort zone. That's one of the things I love about camping, is you have all this apprehension. Uh, well, at least I still do. Uh, before I go on a big trip, whether it's Utah or Zion or even you know Northern California, right. wherever it may be. The night before, I always have a ton of like anxiety when it comes, yeah. and then when I do it, as soon as I get on my bike or as soon as you know the adventure gets going, it all just washes away. And you know, of course, when I'm out there, I'm uncomfortable, but I realize what I'm doing is important for me in terms of self care and clearing my head because oh, yeah. there's so many distractions when I'm at home or at work. But when you're out there, and if you do it a certain way. You begin to appreciate the really little things, man. Yeah. The tiniest things, like acorns falling out of trees, or the way that wind moves through, the way that wind moves through the through the leaves. It's it's crazy. You just take a step back, and you just can finally understand what it means to be alive. Yeah, puts everything into perspective. How yeah. how truly small you are. Yeah, when you're out there exposed, you know, in a house. You don't, it could be cold outside and you go, oh, you walk inside your house and you go, it's cold. You know, let's turn the heater on. Yeah. When you're camping, if you're outdoors and you go, it's cold, like you, even your tent is cold. Your <laughs> yeah. tent, the ambient temperature in your tent is still the same as it is outside unless you got a Mr. Heater or something, you know? Yeah. So it's like everything just be, it's put into perspective when you're outdoors and you think like, man, like you're kind of. I don't even know how to say it. Like you're reliant on yourself to, yeah. to stay warm. That's it. You know, you're whereas completely... you go in a house, you rely on the mechanical uh, mechanism to keep you warm. Yeah. You know, you put a blanket on or whatever, and then your heater, furnace, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and being prepared for what you can come across is also one of the big things I love about camping because you you have what you bring out. Um, well, in my case, I'm, I'm going to be speaking from like the solo camping, motorcycle camping perspective because that's what I... I love doing and that's what I'm passionate about. Like when whenever I hop on my motorcycle and my goal is to go camping and go on an adventure, I know I have everything on there that I need in case something pops up. Right. You know what I mean? Whether it's going to be cold or whether it's going to be hot, you know, whether I get a flat tire. You know, no matter what it is, I'll always I 
you know, I have this idea in my mind that I have everything that I need to make it happen. Right. And getting to that point, it was a, a ton of research and a ton of learning the hard way where I, there were nights where I went hungry and I was like, well, I should have brought, you know, a better stove or I should have right. brought something else or backup food or, you know, water purification system. I shouldn't whatever. have ate all my food at noon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> but, you know, when you get out there, like, it still happens to me. I get out there and uh, I realize, like, how much I love it. And it's just like I was I was doing it for the first time. Right. I'm like, holy cow, this is awesome. Yeah. I still get stoked every time I'm, like, in the middle of an adventure whether it's day, you know, whether it's a half day trip or whether it's eight days long, I still get stoked every single day I do right. it. And that's one of the things that you can't really teach somebody. You can't really teach somebody. They have to find it on their own. You know what I mean? Um, I got you. Like to me, I I still to this day, I don't think I've solo camped. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I don't dude. think I've solo camped still to this day. Like I've camped. At private campgrounds, and I've camped in national forests, BLM, you know, mm-hmm. state parks, with people yeah. off grid. Yep. Sure, but I have never gone out solo, and even in a private campground, like yeah. I've never gone by myself. But to me, I'm not gonna lie. There's a little bit of apprehensiveness when I think like, oh, I'm gonna go solo camp on national forest. You know, a couple miles off the beaten path, like where I would find to be the most enjoyable. Yep. Like that's where I would want to go, and that's not right off the road. I mean, that's like it's pretty deep in. I would. I'm a little nervous to say the least. Like I, it makes me feel uneasy to solo camp. Yeah. It does, and I I don't know exactly why, and I think that it may stem from never like camping off grid or like. You know, when I say off-grid, I just mean, like, not in a private yeah. mm-hmm. campground and just off the trail. Maybe it stems from never doing that as a child. Yeah. I don't know, you know? Because I've always been with somebody when I camp. Yeah. I've never done it alone. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a couple of things about it. Uh, it's, you know, it's not easy to, to do it yourself. You have to be completely self-reliant. Whether it's you being able to, whether it's you having the knowledge to be able to do it, like whether it's setting up your camp, building a fire, working on whatever vehicle you have, um, like you have to be a hundred percent, you know, confident in yourself and your skills. Because if you're not, you're gonna open yourself up to you know getting hurt or getting lost or right. um, getting into a situation where you're not, you're no longer, uh, you're not no longer safe. Uh, I I do air quotes on safe because everybody's, you know there's a sliding scale on what everybody believes is safe but when you get out there on your when you're your solo it's completely different than anything else i can explain it's the sense of being exposed you know what i mean because as soon as it sets in where you think if i get hurt out here it's on me if i you know get lost it's on me a lot of people don't like that idea I, right. can, I, I, I can talk, you know, I can talk to a ton of different people and they all think the same thing where it's like, what happens if you get hurt? What happens if you get lost? Right. And, you know, I, I say, hey, I'm, I love solo camping and I love riding my motorcycle and camping off of it. 
and all of those things they just come come with the territory it's like you can't be a fireman without risk of getting burned right you know what i mean you, you know just... the thing that like so my apprehensiveness of solo camping doesn't necessarily stem from lack of knowledge like am mm-hmm. i going to be okay yeah because i know I, you'd be okay yeah any i mean i'm not worried like if i got hurt you know that's a situation you got to stay calm you got to deal with it yeah you know i and some people that are listening or even you you might even think this is this is childish but man it's the boogeyman <laughs> like you're gonna laugh dude <laughs> people are gonna laugh and that's true it, if you're solo Yep. And you're off the grid. Uh-huh. And you're in your tent in yep. the middle of the night. Like I've watched a lot of horror movies in my life. Yeah. You know, and I, I try yep. to stay away from scary. I mean, I'm a grown man. Yep. You know, and and we're at the top of the food chain. Pretty high you, up there. Pretty high up there. I mean within reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's a within, couple there's, there's a couple things that can mess yeah. us up. But you shouldn't necessarily think like oh something's gonna get me but for some reason i i would be the first one to admit like if i was solo camping i would be paranoid and maybe it would go away but I, it definitely would cross my mind yeah that, oh something could possibly get me yeah There's... and that it's apprehensiveness that's where it, i mean i'm being completely honest like that's the truth i wouldn't yeah. i mean not that i wouldn't solo camp and yeah and i should solo camp just to do it and get it out of the way and say i've done it mm-hmm. but it it's not the same as solo camping in a private campground. Yeah. It's not. I mean, you, you go, you pay a fee, you got to camp six, you yeah, know, exactly. spots over there, your water spigot, hook yeah, up. Yeah, checkout time is yeah. 12 o'clock. You know, you gotta, whatever the deal is, you're there, that's that's designated for it. But when you're up on the backcountry uh-huh. and you're solo camping, I don't know. Your mind will play tricks on you. It will. You know the way that the way that I get over that is you just come to terms with your mortality. You know what I mean? I think you're absolutely right. If if you know that you're just going to be on this planet for a certain amount of time, you don't really fear the boogeyman. You know what I mean? It's like it's like you know there have been times where I've been asleep in my tent and something wakes me up and I'm like, oh crap, what was that? And then I just realize like there's sometimes where I'm like. Let me get out of my let me get out of my sleeping bag and figure out what that was. But there's sometimes where I'm like, if I'm gonna get eaten, I'm gonna get eaten. Right. I'm gonna get a good night's sleep. Peace out. So, right. yeah. Well, and you put it into perspective like that. Yeah. It brings a little ease to it. Yeah, it does. You know, and and I don't think I mean we're not camping in. I've never camped in grizzly bear country. Yeah. I mean I'm sure some of the listeners have. Yeah. They you probably know, have. And that that's the scary. That's the scary times. I mean, where we got? We got lions here. Yeah. Bobcats, coyotes, they're not really going to mess with you. But, I mean, the main thing that's going to get you around here would be a lion. Yeah. If it got you. I mean, but statistically, it's like you you got more of a chance getting hit by lightning than you are getting jumped on by a lion, you know? And and are they going to come drag you out of your tent? Probably not. Probably not. Good luck, you know? Yeah. I mean, but I just think it's just a mind trip, and I've never actually sat back and put it into perspective like you just said you know like if you come to terms with your own mortality then maybe uh maybe it makes it a lot easier but as far as like going out making camp making you know just making the experience what i want as a solo like going out solo 
I could totally do it. Yeah, you could. You know, it's just the mind trip at the end of the day would be the one to get over. That'd be the hardest part for me to get over. Yeah. You know, the sun goes down, it gets dark, you're on the headlamp. You know, my thing was, our buddy, JP, he actually did it last weekend. <laughs> yeah, last weekend. You know, he went in solo and and I was telling him, like, dude, you sure you want to go in solo? He's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did it. Nothing, nothing. He he even told me he goes, yeah, a little like, little. I got in my tent and I stayed in my tent. Yeah. He went to somewhere <laughs> down. You know, he made dinner. He ate, looked at the stars for a little bit. But once he got in his tent, he stayed in his tent and he didn't get out. Specifically, I think it was because the boogeyman effect. Yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> me and him just aren't big solo campers, yeah. so it's just. I think that's just something people naturally feel when they're solo camping. If you yeah. haven't done it and continue to do it and grew up doing it you yeah, know exactly and like hey man if 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 you haven't solo camped you know i'm not gonna whether it's listener or you brand like i'm not gonna knock you dude it's it's a great experience but it's not for everyone some people love they love camping because of camaraderie yeah um i love camping with other people for that reason because you get to sit around a campfire and you get to tell stories but there's a certain calming effect that I get when I can just build my camp miles away from anyone else. And then I just sit next to my fire and I think about life. I think about the little things and I think about the big things. Whether it's, hey, I need to be better with my diet. Or it's, hey, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Why am I doing this? The what direction do I, in life. Yeah, what, what, where do I want to go and how am I going to get there? Or in the case of a big trip that I did, um, I did an eight-day trip uh, to, I ended up in Utah, uh, different parts of Utah and Arizona, and I didn't have an agenda. I was just like, I'm going to go north. Wherever you want to go. I'm going to go, yeah, on on my motorcycle. doesn't matter where I'm going to stay, how I'm going to get there. I'm going to camp for X amount of time. I I was in between jobs, and I had... A freedom that I hadn't had ever in my life. I also had a, a yearning to do it. I was I wanted to go out there and I wanted to experience an adventure. So that's exactly what I did. I just went out there and I rode. You know what's crazy is that the footage you took of that, you know, it it almost depicts it. Like it almost depicts what you're saying. How like you go solo to to be like one with yourself and to realize like what's going on in your life and just to kind of get a clear head. The footage you got, the pictures you have, and just the little time-lapse videos that I've yeah. seen you do of your trip, of setting up camp, just kicking back by the fire. You know, you videotaping yourself with another camera, getting crazy exposure shots of the mm-hmm. night sky in Zion. Like yeah. those types, and it's, you can almost... Like, when I watch those, it almost tells me a story that, like, you're out there doing that. Like, it's honest. It's it's yeah. it's true. And it's, there's something cool about that. <laughs> there's something real cool about that. Yeah. And I like it. And, and maybe, you know, you put some of that footage up for some of the viewers. You yeah, know? I definitely will. I'll roll it in. Um, but the reason why I do that, why I tell the story is because I'm passionate about it. Yeah. A lot of people do Instagram. They do Facebook and YouTube because they want... They want to be popular. They want to have this false. They want to falsify their life so they look a certain way. I want to do it so I can show people 
the passion and the joy that they can have being outdoors and getting out of their comfort zone and going on an adventure. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's one of the most freeing things you can do. And one of the things I haven't talked about is on that trip, you feel loneliness. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You you look you look at yourself, and it's something that I did a lot. I looked internally, and I said, this would be so much better with somebody else. During a lot of times during my trip, I said that. I was like, man, I wish somebody, I wish I could high-five somebody right, right now. But it was just me, you know. And then I got home, and then every single relationship that I had, it was so much sweeter because I realized how much those people meant to me. But when it comes to camping alone, dude, I love I love it. I love it. I'd do it right now. I'd leave on another 10-day trip if I could. Right. Like right now. I'd pack everything up and go. You would go, huh? Yeah. I I believe it. Like I truly believe you're you're one of those guys that can solo camp and you find the joy in it mm-hmm. long periods of time. You know, like you watch that show, uh, what is it, um, Alone on History Channel. You ever watch that show? No, I don't think so. Oh, man, they, the History Channel puts people in rugged wilderness, like completely off-grid with what they have on their back, and they get like a short list of what they can have. Mm-hmm. And it is, like, it is the epitome of, like, solo camping. <laughs> like, these guys and gals go out and are completely off-grid, have to survive, kill their own food, like, gather their own food, build their own shelter. And they go to the last man or mm-hmm. woman standing, and then they win a prize. Yeah. But that's not – I mean, that's solo surviving. Yeah. You know? But I think they all go in there as contestants of, oh, this is another solo camping experience. You know, I'm good at bushcraft. I'm good at hunting. I'm good at fishing. And they, you know, they just t- take all their skills and live. And they don't have tents. It's like – Yeah, you build your shelter. Yeah, I think you get a tarp. Yeah. I think they give you a tarp for like a roof. Yeah. You know? And then they go from there. But – it's just wild, and and those people are clearly at one with their mortality. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between camping and survival. Yeah, you know, survivalists. I think it all kind of they all blend together. They kind of blend in. Yeah, there's a kind of a weird line because I, like I said, I can take my motorcycle and I can live off of it. Right. And I don't know if there's anything else that's more of a survivalist than that. Like if crap ever hits the fan, I can grab my bike and my camping gear and live. You'll be all right. Yeah, I, I think I'd make it. I think you, I think you would, yeah. you know, at least for a while. Yeah. To, you know, I. What what so. The craziest thing, and it really blew my mind, and I learned it this season. Mm-hmm. I really did, is about sleeping bags. Yep. Like mummy bags and just square tent bags. That rating, you told me this, <laughs> yeah. and this is something everybody <laughs> needs to know. If you got a thirty degree bag, that is not a comfort rating. No, that's your survival rating. Survival rating. You will you will not be comfortable in a no. thirty degree bag if it's thirty degrees outside. Or less. Yeah, or less. Like it will keep you alive a little bit longer, but it's not comfortable. No, it's, it won't be comfortable. It, you know, it's so funny. We we went hunting. I don't know a month ago mm-hmm. at our spot, and it was it got into the twenties, high twenties, I think. And JP's kid Jared from uh, Archery Geek Custom Strings. Uh, he bought a new bag off Amazon. Freaking joke. It wasn't a bag. It was like a liner to a bag. And I didn't realize it. I thought he actually had a bag until the morning when we got up at 4.30 to go, you know, get into our area that we were going to hunt. And he's like, I shivered all night. 
you know, he put all his clothes on, got in his bag. Yeah. And it was a liner to a sleeping bag. Yeah, and but it he didn't know any better. He didn't know. And that's like what people, they think, oh, this bag's good to 20 degrees. Yeah, or a zero degree bag. You, know, degree. you would die in a zero degree bag. like Without a doubt. A zero degree bag will just keep you warm or keep you alive if you're in zero degrees. Uh-huh. Not gonna keep you comfortable. A zero to be comfortable in like thirty degrees, I feel like you need a zero degree bag. Yeah, I'll take a zero degree bag. And even then I want a liner because we've been in it recently and I was going, Man, like I could stand to be a little warmer. Yeah, of course. You know, I don't wanna be in my layered gear that I have. For hunting in my bag to stay warm. Yeah. I want to be able to sleep comfortable just in my base layer. You know? So if you're going to be in 20 degree weather, I think you need a negative 15, a negative 20 combined yeah. bag and liner. Yeah. And it's going to cost some money because good gear costs money. But if we can go in down the gear route uh, like for miles. But anyways, when it comes to, to anything that you're going to invest money into, it should be your sleep system. Yeah. Like I've learned that the hard way where I've frozen at night where I've, I've been on my motorcycle all day and then I'm like, oh man, I get to camp and sleep and it's going to be awesome. And I have the worst night's sleep because one, I didn't have a good mattress pad or um, uh, inflatable pad and I didn't have a good bag and you just freeze and you you're, freeze. and you're like, never again am I going to do that. I think one of the most critical parts of your sleep system and it gets overlooked, you know, we think... The majority of people would probably think of a sleeping pad, not a bag, but a pad, uh-huh. something to sleep on, as, oh, that's a comfort thing. That's like, oh, so I don't have a hard surface to sleep on. I'm yeah. going to use this. But when you're in cold weather, that is... It's an insulation it's an insulation layer. barrier. Uh-huh. And that is so crucial. A sleeping pad will add 10 degrees to your bag. Yep. Because it's not sucking the warm out of your bag. Uh-huh. You know, if you, like a good thermarest. Yeah. Or a thermopad, I think they're called. Thermarest. Thermarest. You know, a good thermarest is going to add 10 or ten degrees. Yeah. And it's, it's just because it's it's solely an insulation layer. Yes, it does add comfort, but it, you should think of it as an insulating barrier. Right. Um, I'll like, tell you this much. I would rather... Look here. <laughs> I would rather sleep on a hard surface with rocks in my back, warm, than sleep on a comfy... Or a come more comfortable pad yep. on a hard surface, cold. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I'd rather have a rocky sleeping surface or or just an uncomfortable sleeping surface allowed me to stay warm than to have a pad and cold. Yeah, I think one of the, I think we kind of buried the lead. One of the biggest things about um, investing into a sleep system is you're going to be active during the day. So you need a perfect night's sleep. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're going to be miserable the next day. And then if you stack enough of those miserable nights on miserable days, you're going to have an accident. You're not going to be thinking. Yeah. You're not you're not going to have a clear mind and you're going to be tired, you're going to be miserable. You're you're going to hate it. You know, I do a lot of I, I'll start off with this and I'll say it because I say it at work all the time. Mm-hmm. Complacency kills. Yeah, 100%. If you're complacent, It'll kill you. It'll kill you quicker than anything. I, I mean, you know, in my line of work, being out on the road and working long hours and around hazardous 
materials and, and hazardous situations, things flying in the air, all kinds of stuff, doing 30 hours straight, you know, and this happens more often than not. Being complacent will kill you. And if you're not able to get the proper sleep needed to be rested, like could you imagine if you're on three-day backpack hunt, mm-hmm. right? And you haven't, and you're in the backcountry, so you're on rugged terrain, you're climbing up and down ridges over rocks, all kinds of stuff, you got 30 pounds on your back, you know, and you're not getting the proper sleep, plus you're burning close to 4,000, 5,000 calories a day, and you're probably not putting that back in, Yeah. so you're already, energy is low, then you're not getting a good rest, so you're sleep deprived, and then you're on rugged terrain, that's just a combination for disaster, Yeah. and if you're solo, you roll your ankle, it means death. You, you, I mean, if, you, if you're back there with no cell service, put it to put it into perspective, if you're a mile off the road, which isn't very far at all, you could crawl a mile. You could. If you don't have cell service and say you tore your ACL, your knee's like a grapefruit, you can't walk, you're a mile off, no cell service, you're crawling back to your truck. It's going to take you a couple hours. Yeah, but you're you going to get it. there. Yeah. With no problem, you're going to get there. Like... They said your life depends on this. You're going to get there probably quicker than you think. Mm-hmm. But if you're four or five miles solo in the backcountry, no cell service, and you roll your ankle or break your ankle even more, you know, you fall and you crack your femur, like because you're complacent, because yes. you're not getting the sleep or you're not getting the food intake, the calorie intake to be mentally there, like you're screwed. Yeah. You're, you're waiting for someone to come and get you. Like, you may go start crawling back or doing what you can. You're not going to get very far. No. You're going you to get cold. You're going to get tired. And you're going to fall asleep. And then it's going to get worse. Yeah. So you're going to get worse. It's going to... Because what are you going to do without, you know, a able body, you know, to, to get the task done? You're you're going to freeze, man. Yeah. It, it all ties into everything. Your gear is so important. Yeah. Good gear will literally save your life. Yeah. And that's the that's reason why, like... Buy the best gear that you can. I'm not saying go and spend, you know, two grand on a camping setup if you've never been camping before. Right. But what I'm saying is when you realize you want to actually get into camping, invest as much as you possibly can where it's going to matter. Yeah. And, you know, your sleep system is one of the most important things. I, w- I would say so. A good, a good single man tent if yeah. you're solo camping. You know, you can have a two-man and put it in your pack. You can get the small two-man backpacking tents. Yeah. But if you're going as like a minimalist, a good single-man tent. What tent do you run? I run a uh, Nemo uh, Galaxy two-person tent. So you do run the two-person. Yeah, so I run a two-person. for two. Yeah, but that's always because I have my motorcycle. Like, um, it, it, It's all size and weight constraints. You know what I mean? There's a plus and a minus to everything. When I'm hunting... And we're going down to where we usually hunt. I usually just run a one man because I don't have my helmet to deal with. I don't right. have my riding jacket, my bulky clothes, and I don't have you know a ton of camera gear. You know what I mean? Right. I have a pretty small setup, and I can just jam it into a one man. But when it comes to the safety and security that I need, um, when I'm motorcycle camping, I run a two man because my bike is carrying that extra weight. You right. know what I mean? It's not on my back. It's not on your pack. Yeah. You're not feeling it. So it, it it's all it's all your style, man. If you can get more comfort out of a bigger and heavier system, 
and your mode of transportation will allow you to do that. Say if you're car camping or truck camping or RV camping, dude, be the most comfortable you can be. Right. Because that's what it's all about is having a good time, and you're not going to have a good time if you're uncomfortable. Right. Or you don't know how to deal with discomfort. You know, I think one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest falls this year that I had, not actually physically falls, but one of the biggest fails that I had was to not buy my tent as a standalone. Yeah. Like, it, it really chaffed my, <laughs> chaffed my rear end, man, that my tent does not stand alone. Yeah, he has to, for those of you who don't know what a standalone versus a, um, or like a freestanding versus a... A, a, a stake down. Yeah, a stake down or a dependent tent is... Um, think of it as, you know, a TP. A mm. TP will stand if you have the poles and you have the, the canvas. Versus, say, a tent that Brandon has, that you have, you, you have to, you have to pretty much use stakes in a cable system to make sure it stands up. If you don't stake it down and you don't cable it out, you're going to be sleeping in a trash bag. Yeah, that's what's exactly gonna what it is. It's almost like a, it's like a baby. Yeah. It'll turn into a baby real quick. Yeah, it's still some sort of <laughs> protection, but if you don't do it, like it, you're as good as sleeping in a plastic and you, bag. You know, it's if it's not staked down properly. Last time we were in there, I actually had the bottom piece yeah. come out, like the stakes, because we're essentially in a riverbed. Yeah, it's not like I have hard packed dirt to stake into, so I'm staking into real fine sand essentially. I actually had the the foot of my tent come in, and even though it didn't rain. It was so cold and the fog came in that the tent, yeah, it's full of moisture. Yeah, condensation, the outside's full of moisture. So I didn't realize it until I started feeling the water come through my bag. Oh, that's it. And at then it was already too late. Yeah. You know, and then, oh gosh, so I got out of my pack or I got out of my tent and I had to restake it at, you know, one in the morning when it's 34 <laughs> degrees outside. When you're, you're dead tired yeah. and you're not thinking of exactly. how to tie a knot or yeah. how to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, I have to have a standalone tent because you never know what surface you're going to be on. If you're going to be on like rocks or sand or wherever it is, you know, or you're just freaking tired, you just want to be able to throw, throw your stakes, you know, put them in that tent and that tent is going to, it's going to stay there if you're inside of it. Yeah. The only reason why I need to stake my tent is if I leave it and it's going to be windy. You know what I mean? But it'll stand on its own. It'll have its own, you know sleeping quarters essentially you know i don't have to do anything but it's it's a weight constraint you know what i mean mm-hmm. typically a stand or a freestanding tent is going to be a little bit heavier because you're going to have to have an extra set of poles or something like that yeah or um for a lot of lightweight backpacking tents uh you use your trekking poles a lot of people hike with trekking poles so your tent is going to utilize those trekking poles as uh, tent poles so which is great That's because actually cool yeah because it saves you know two or three pounds or you know two pounds but in terms of your durability with that system in your um it's it's ability to withstand you know the environment it depends on how good your state or your your hiking poles are right and i don't i like the idea of two is one and one is none where if you don't have a working tent uh, or if you don't have working hiking poles you can still have a tent Right. But if your hiking poles don't work, and, then you're screwed. Yeah, then you don't have hiking poles and you don't have a tent. Right. Yeah. So, I like to have a robust system. What What do you What do you think about all that new food out there, man? Like dehydrated food? Oh yeah, dude, I love it. I love I, it. I love it. I dig the Mountain House chicken and rice. 
Uh, yeah, Mountain House is great, dude. That's my favorite. My favorite Mountain House is the um, breakfast skillet. I dig that one. Yeah, the breakfast hash is really good. Yeah. If I was to, if they were to say, okay, Brandon, you're going five days and you can only have two. <laughs> yeah. One breakfast and one dinner. Yeah. Like, what do you want? It'd be the breakfast skillet and it, the, it's a breakfast hash skillet. I think so. it's a breakfast no, hash. No, there's, there's two of them. There's there's breakfast hash and then there's breakfast skillet. It's the We're hash. big on Mountain House. Yeah, it's the hash that I want and I want... Chicken and rice. Yeah. That chicken and rice is good, man. Yeah, I'll take the uh, the chicken and rice. I think the chicken and rice is okay. But I'll, I'll honestly take any of them. Because I've done camping the other way. Right. Where you bring, you go to a grocery store or wherever it is, uh, and then you buy granola, you buy peanuts, mm. you buy calorie-rich food, and then you, you eat it when you're out there. Or you, you, you buy pasta, you know, and then you just heat it up with the water that you have. But... I like... Uh... What I really liked was the granola. Oh, yeah, granola. And granola. you're supposed to be able to eat it cold. Yeah. You know? And we were in Utah, and I, I busted out the old jet boil. <laughs> Bam, we are on a mountain. It's freezing out. I boiled up some water, and I threw it in my granola. Mm-hmm. And it was it was amazing. Yeah. You know? I was like, oh, this is the way it should be eaten. It shouldn't be eaten cold. Yeah. But that, that goes back to, you know, one of the other things. Mountain House is, one, expensive, and oh, two, yeah. it's it's dependent on something else. You have to have a jet boil yeah. or a, a way to boil water in order to consume that meal. At least, the, at way, least, uh, the way it was designed, designed to, to be consumed. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, it's it's great. It's great food. It's, you know, it's but... It's really high in calories. You know, I really want to try uh, the Mountain Ops. Yeah, they have their own lineup. They have one. I don't know. Is it released to the public yet? I don't know. I don't know if I'll it is. I'll give it a shot. Because when it comes out, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, because, well, competition is good. Yeah, Mountain absolutely. House has been on top of it forever. It's forever. just like Cliff Bars. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love Cliff Bars Cliff when bars I go. Are good. They're a little heavy, but, I mean, I'll take them. I'll take them. Yeah, they're, they're heavy, but they're full of calories. Yeah. And you, it's all about replacing your calories when you're out there. Yeah. Usually when I go, I go um, solo camping, what I'll do is... Uh, I'll get pasta and I'll eat it either plain or I'll have a little bit of salt and pepper with it. And it's e- good? Yeah. I I've mean, never done that. Well, the thing is when you're camping, well, you're camping the way that I like to camp, You, food is food. Right. Food is, you know, it's just energy. It's just energy and nutrition. That's yeah. it. And then I'm big on granola and then almonds, peanuts, peanut butter, you know what I mean? Uh, and then, you know, if I can afford it, I'll throw a mountain house in there. I like throwing... Like little jar, the plastic jar of almond butter. Yeah. I don't even use peanut butter when I'm backpacking. Mm-hmm. I'll use almond butter. And I don't know what it is. I, f- I feel like it, it's a denser carb. It is. And protein. There's more protein in it. Yeah. And, and it's like, I, I, peanut butter is just too smooth. It's weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just throw some of that on a spoon in the morning before you start hiking. And that's like an instant shot of calories, energy. You know, mixed yeah. with a little dark mountain. Yeah, there and, you go. Man, you're just zipping for a couple hours, you know, <laughs> yeah. until you get to where you're doing, you know. And, and that it's all about calorie intake, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the big things that I forgot, one of my staples is packaged tuna. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not yeah, like, not canned tuna, but tuna in like the little metal bag or whatever the, the hell it is. Like just a, the tin or the... Uh, it's like a pouch. It's, it's a pouch. It's That's tuna exactly in a pouch. Right. Uh, they come in different flavors. I love that, dude, because they're, they're relatively lightweight, and they got a ton of calories and protein in there. So yeah, those are good, man. I usually add them to something else if I can. Like tuna, or like the pasta, perfect. Go with a little bit of tuna. You know, I go. added, when we were in Utah, I was adding two tuna packs to the chili mac and cheese. Okay. 
And that, the calories right it there. Was, but you know, in in a matter of fact, the Mountain House come in two point five servings per bag. I think two to two point five servings per bag in a dinner. Mm-hmm. And I was realizing that I was eating the whole thing, and I'm and I was still hungry. Like that's how much hiking and, and calorie burning I was doing. You know, when we're out there, I can barely eat one of those. Really? Yeah, barely eat a single Mountain House. But that's one of the things that you have to know before you get out there. You can't you can't have a ten day trip planned and be like, oh, I'm just gonna have. One mountain house for breakfast, one mountain house for lunch, and then I'll be okay. No, you have to you have to realize how hungry you're going to be, and it's one of those things where you don't realize you you need it until you go out there and you do it. So that's why it's important that you do a short trip nearby to test your equipment and to test how you do as a camper and as a as a as an enthusiast. It, it's funny you say that, like you don't know, because mm-hmm. I'm watching that that Hushin series right now where. It's, the best season yet you yep. know and they're doing the daily video release mm-hmm. and uh b mac and casey are running with the born and raised guys yep. in montana and at the beginning of that that backpack trip that they're on i can't remember if it was casey or, or b mac they, they were like oh we, you know i'm gonna have a bag dump and tell the these guys are gonna tell me what i need to bring because they were not as experienced in backpack hunting as the born and raised guys are and they packed for what they thought they would need in comparison to what they do need, you know. And without that experience that they were able to lean on, who knows, you know. I mean, they're, it's not like they're going a mile off the road. I mean, they're back there. They're camping, especially in grizzly country. Yeah. Screw that. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's important that you do give it a trial run. Like, you have to. Yeah. I mean, if you, don't have that, if you don't have that experience on your own, Find somebody who does have experience, whether saying, hey, I want to go camping. Let me try this out. Hey, can you, you want to go camping with me? Like, you want to give it a shot? And uh, if you're solo camping, hey, make sure you do it close. Make sure you do it close to a grocery store yeah. or an REI or something. So something. that way, if, if you need to pull the ripcord and you need to go into town, you can do it. You can do it right there. Yeah, because the worst thing to happen is for you to get out there and realize like, oh, shoot, dude, I forgot something. Whether it's something as simple as like a spoon. You have to have a spoon with Mountain House. You have to. You, you do. Yeah. You have to have a spoon, you know? As dumb as it is, you have to have That's a spoon. That's what that pouch is for <laughs> on the jet boil. I mean, that goes around the jet boil. There's like a secondary pouch on it. And remember, yeah. I was like, what's this for, Patrick? Yeah. I don't even know. And you're like, this is for a spoon. Yeah. It's something so simple. You yeah. Know? You and that's one of the things that you learn camping with somebody else. You learn different techniques, man. You do. And you learn the, the knowledge is power right. when it comes to anything. And specifically when it comes to camping and hunting and being outdoors, the more knowledge you can acquire before you go out there, the better. Watch a bunch of YouTube videos. Like that's, oh, that's what I, huge. I, I'm huge on like when I first started camping, when I was like first starting to be an outdoorsy person, I watched a ton of videos. And it's cool to live vicariously through other people who Absolutely. are excellent at what they do. Absolutely. Like watching bushcraft bushcraft videos, excuse me. I'll never be a, you know, I'll never live out in the bush like that because I don't want to. But right. since I've watched those videos, I'm like, dude, I can do that. That's easy. And I store that in my in my mind. I'm just like, okay, this is the knot that you need. This is how you prepare that piece right. of wood. And, you know, if you do enough of those, you'll have a shelter at the end of it. You got to be a special individual to live in the woods like that. Yeah, you do. You know, you, you got to have it in you, like, mentally to be able to do that. Uh-huh. You know, but the techniques they use? Simple. Simple. But when you, it, they're simple enough to when you see them once, you'll, you'll know it for life. You'll know it. But um, if you don't know it, you're not going you're, you're you're not not gonna, gonna to use yeah, it. You won't use that skill. I think it's, I think it's super cool, man. I, I think that this top, 
topic was a good topic to talk about and, and get it out there to the viewers. Yeah. You know, I hope you're able to plug in some of that footage yeah, of your solo will. trips that you've done and, and all those videos and, and let these viewers see what I've seen. Yeah. Super cool. It is. It's, I have a, a ton of cool footage, a ton of cool videos, but, uh, I mean, we can go way deep into this when it comes to gear or fire prep or solo camping, motor, motorcycle camping. We can go way further into it, but you know, we just wanted to keep this one relatively short, even though we're on fifty minutes already. So that's it's a like, long one. It, we thought it was going to be short. Yeah, we thought it was going to be. But if you guys have any questions that you want answered, you know, any any uh, um, experiences that you guys have had, you want to share. Man, leave it in the comments. Yeah, leave them in the comments. As usual, guys, we're on iTunes, we're on Podbean, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Just make sure you search uh, Ridge to Ridge Outdoors and you should be able to find us. Um, and guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. Thanks, guys. All right. There's another one. Dang, Regen. That was another one.